welcome to the Defender Podcast, a resource to help mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm your host, Herbie Newell. All right, today's March 1st, 2023. I'm Rick Morton, and this is the Defender Podcast. Well, I'm really excited today to to be with you again and to have an opportunity to talk to friends and ministry partners. Today on our episode, we're going to talk to Christy and Edward Graham. Christy and Edward serve as, uh, of course, as part of Samaritan's Purse, where um, Edward leads uh, as the uh, the the CEO there, or, or Chief Operations Officer, I should say, of Samaritan's Purse. Uh, Christy's a host of uh, a really popular podcast that also uh, talks about the ministry around the world, and I've had an opportunity to be on that show, and it was a it was a great time. And so we're we're glad to to have the opportunity to be able to have you guys on our podcast, and uh, and so thanks for coming. But before we get there. We're going to want to tell you one thing. We want to make you aware um, and remind you about uh, CEU opportunities that are coming up. Uh, You know, at Lifeline, we strive to walk with families throughout their parenting journey. And part of the way we do that is continued training or personal and family enrichment. We offer free monthly education opportunities for families. And so you can join us for these webinars from anywhere. The next one coming up is going to be March the 15th. And we're going to be hosting a webinar on the power of play um, and its impact on connecting with and bringing healing to our kids. And so we're going to talk about how playfulness, um, how the Lord can use playfulness in the lives of our kids in order to connect with them uh, and to go deeper with our kids that have come from hard places. If you're interested in that webinar, you can find more in our show notes or you can go to lifelinechild.org backslash CEUs. That's lifelinechild.org backslash CEUs. And so I'm really grateful to have Edward and and Christy Graham here. Um, And just by word and by way of introduction, uh, as I said earlier, that uh, Edward is the the chief operating officer at Samaritan's Purse. He's a West Point graduate and uh, served in our military for 16 years um, and uh, has continued to serve the Lord with Samaritan's Purse since 2018. Uh, in, in his present role as Chief Operating Officer. Christy is the host of the On the Ground with Samaritan's Purse podcast since uh, the podcast started in 2019. She's shared um, just tons of stories of the way that God is using people through Samaritan's Purse to, to impact the world for Christ. Um, they've been married for 16 years. They have one daughter and three sons, and they live in the mountains of North Carolina. Christy Edward, welcome to the Defender Podcast. All right, thanks. We appreciate having us on. Thank you. Well, we are we're excited just to have a conversation with you guys today on on several levels. And I think, you know, as, as we've talked about previously, we we love the work of Samaritan's Purse. There there are so many times and so many places that we see the work that your ministry is doing and, and, and come up alongside. And uh, I, I told Christy when we were talking offline uh, before the, the podcast that I do with you guys that you know, one of the meaningful stories for us is that two of our kids talked about having uh, Operation Christmas Child shoeboxes yeah. delivered to them uh, and and being ministered to by those shoeboxes in the orphanages awesome. that they were in before they came home. And, yeah, uh, awesome. and, and so uh, I've traveled through a number of countries with uh, missionary friends who were delivering those boxes in places. And so I feel like we just kind of bumped into the ministry of Samaritan's Purse in a lot of ways, um, domestically and internationally. And we're just, we're just super thankful for you guys. 
Well, thank you. We appreciate so, that. But thanks for sharing that. That's uh, always love hearing that how God uses a simple gift as a shoebox to share the gospel. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's you know it's it's an amazing encouragement, and I, and I think um, I love the way you guys have evolved over the years to actually be able to help people stay connected to where you know to where their participation with your ministry actually goes, and and to kind of have a more of an idea of the people that are impacted. I'd love it if you just jump in in the beginning and, and just really talk a little bit about the mission and what drives Samaritan's Purse and the passion behind um, who God's called you out to be. Well, I appreciate it. And to answer that question, you you asked the passion and the drive. Well, that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the mission of Samaritan's Purse is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. That's why I left the military at 16 years. If you know anything about the military, that's four years shy of retirement. Um, but I left because I knew I was being called it, uh, to be part of something bigger and greater and the, the kingdom of Jesus Christ lasts, lasts forever. And that's what Samaritan's Purse is all about, is sharing about the kingdom of Jesus Christ. So, you know, I look, people know my dad, Franklin, runs both ministries, the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association and Samaritan's Purse. They're two separate ministries. Um, we get along great. Um, you know, we are linked together in aspects, but we're different. But what's not different is the mission. Um, there, there was really no mission difference between what my grandfather did of sharing the gospel and Samaritan's Purse. Now, he was called to the stadiums of the world and to share the gospel. We share the gospel through the resources that God entrusts us with. That's medical resources. That's disaster relief uh, resources. But it's called Samaritan's Purse based off the book of Luke in Scripture where it talks about the Good Samaritan. We don't want to pass by anybody in the ditch. And so those that are are hurting because of war, famine, disease, um, pestilence, if it's that person that is struggling in the ditch, we want to meet their immediate needs. The medical, just like the Good Samaritan met the medical needs, bandaged them, clothed them, gave them transportation, gave them water. But the most important part of that story is with the innkeeper, a debt had to be paid. And that debt, that's the blood of Jesus Christ. And so no matter what we do, we don't want to go anywhere, just like we are in Turkey right now with a hospital serving the earthquake victims. We want them to know that Jesus has not forsaken them, has not forgotten them, that loves them. So all that we do, I don't want your listeners to be confused. It's about the gospel. It's not about good works or charity. And that's why we love you guys. I think, you know, the our experience has been that um, a lot of ministries that are in the lanes that we inhabit become focused on the need. And become mm-hmm. focused on on the hurting condition of people, and and they focus on that so much they're willing to compromise and That's and right. to to do things that are, you know, that are not gospel first. And right. and I, I think one of the things I've always loved about Samaritan's Purse is that there's no question uh, that you are you're gospel first and gospel forward in what you do. Um, mm-hmm. and, you know, another experience that my my wife and I had that where we came close to your ministry was while I was teaching at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary uh, during and after Katrina and seeing the way that Samaritan's Purse came in and, you know, did things that were um, innovative and out of the box, building playgrounds, you know, in a city where where play wasn't happening for children, but building those in, in ways that um, that made the gospel accessible to people through families gathering and, and through, you know, community being reestablished. And, and so, I will tell you that in the Morton household, we're we're big fans and love who you are and what you do. And and the biggest reason is because of that unashamed, undenying connection to 
the gospel being the most important thing that we have to deliver to them. Amen. And so, well, Christy, you know, the programs of Samaritan's Purse, you guys do a lot. And and there are a lot of things out there that you're doing in in very excellent and influential ways. Um, Operation Christmas Child, The Greatest Journey, Greta Home and Academy. In your experience, what have, have you sort of recognized as being the greatest needs for orphans around the world? Well, you know this better than better than I do, but, you know, orphans, you know, they are lacking a loving family home, you know, and and they can get nurtured through orphanages, which we've seen with our child that we adopted, Levi. Um, you can be nurtured and, and taken care of, but there's a difference between loving and kind of familial homes. And so, as Edward mentioned, Samaritan's Purse, we, we meet immediate needs all over the world, um, physical so that we can share the gospel. And so all of our projects impact vulnerable children, whether it's child maternal health, uh, feeding programs, you know, they all impact kids and maybe are more preventative to becoming an orphan. But mm-hmm. there are a lot of links where we do help orphans directly. And and the first one I got to be involved with was actually when he was still in the military. Edward was deployed in 2005 and I got to go to one of the orphanages. You mentioned the Greta Home and Academy. That's just one of, I think we support over 30 orphanages in 19 mm-hmm. different countries. Uh, just su- supportive roles. So they're they're run by other ministries. This one that I went to was Mercy Ministries in Thailand, um, a Christian home, you know, that that tried to make it a loving home. But again, it was run by caretakers. So it's different, right. as you know. Uh, but that was my first uh, introduction to the way that we support orphans. And, and so living amongst orphans for weeks and seeing the way that they have such uh, I think they lack security. You know, they lack that individual. And and we saw it with our son, Levi. He was he was nurtured and taken care of, but he'd never been kissed. He'd never been held. You know, he had been maybe pat on his back or something, but there's a difference. And I think the Lord has showed me through these programs just how the gospel, the unconditional love of Christ uh, can penetrate hearts. And so even if they're not removed from their situation, uh, they can be changed. And and you mentioned your kids got a shoebox. Um, one of my favorite interviews I've done is, is a girl that got in a box as a, a orphan in Ukraine. And, and again, she accepted Christ, her life was changed, but she wasn't removed right away. You know, she still was in that orphanage for many years, wasn't adopted. I think several years later, but so God didn't remove her from her situation, but he changed her heart, you know, which is what he did with Hagar in Genesis. You know, he, he was the God who sees, he, he allowed her to be seen, loved and known. And so it changed the trajectory of her life. And, and some of those kids end up getting adopted or are removed from their situation, but some don't. And so that's why we, we, we love to partner with local churches, people that are national, you know, and stay in the community to love these kids and disciple them long term. And and one of my favorite things of Operation Christmas Child is the discipleship program called The Greatest Journey. You know, they can join a 12 week discipleship course through a local church, truly be discipled, walked with, discipled through locals, and then it just changes them within their community. So uh, it's a long answer, but I think I love what I do. And I love talking to different partners throughout the ministry and just see ways that we are engaging in orphan care. And as Edward said, you know, with the Good Samaritan, it, there was a long-term uh, commitment made. And that's what we want to do is not just meet the immediate needs short-term because that will come again. You know, they'll be hungry again. They'll need food again. But the gospel is that long-term uh, greatest uh, way that you can care for orphans around the world. 
Yeah, 100%. And I think, uh, you know, again, one of the things that that you said that is is important to us and it's important to a lot of the people that listen to this podcast is that that we're connecting with the local church in mm-hmm. communities and and we're empowering the local church to to be able to serve well. And, you know, that the fact is that we know that that, that institutionalization is not going away. Um, we, you know, we wish that we could create circumstances where every child could immediately be in a loving home, but uh, improving the the ability of caregivers to love and nurture well and to invest the gospel and, you know, to do those things, to stand in the gap is is important, but also the local church surrounding and be in the community for, you know, for those kids for a lifetime is, mm-hmm. is such a vital connection. And, and I love the alignment that we're able to have around that because, you know, because we know that that ultimately this is work that's been given to the church to the Lord Jesus Christ. And ultimately that that it's a way that we're able to put the gospel on display. Edward, you, you talked earlier a, a little bit about the the work that's going on in Turkey currently and and some of the places where Samaritan's Purse is invested around the world. I wonder if you could just dig into that maybe just a little bit more and and talk about the ways specifically that that orphans are supported through the the disaster relief and and kind of those emergent needs relief efforts that Samaritan's Purse is involved in. Yeah, so Samaritan's Purse, there's several facets of the ministry between here in the U.S. and international, but whether it's here in the U.S. or overseas, we do disaster relief. So whether it be in Ukraine uh, with the war and us uh, deploying right away with a medical field hospital in that first week of the war to set up a surgical capability for war trauma and war injuries. And then also longer term sustainment medical supplies to local hospitals and Christian organizations already there. Um, But we've also been doing massive feeding operations along the Eastern Front using the church network. As you talked about the church, everywhere we go, we try to work through the local church because if it's disaster relief, at some point, Samaritan's Purse will leave. But what does that local church look like? Is it, you know, positioned to follow up with those new believers, disciple them, strengthen, has it grown? One day when we leave Ukraine, we do have a country office here right now, but when we leave, the Ukraine will remember it was the church that housed them, that fed them, that clothed them, Mm -hmm. that gave them medicine. And amen. That's how it's not supposed to be Samaritan's Purse. We're not the church. Uh, So when when we go over there and we do um, disaster relief and we work through the church, we try to provide uh, uh, medical access to medical um, to include those that are orphaned. Um, But really what we're trying to prevent is the conditions for those children to be orphaned. Uh, So whether it's war um, or famine, a disease, whether or a natural disaster where we're going, and like down in Haiti with an earthquake there as well, we're trying to help young mothers, especially maybe widowed mothers, um, from having to give up their families. So whether it's through training, education, um, getting placed into the church, uh, feeding is a huge part of that. Um, we're trying to keep those kids with their mothers. And war is the hardest aspect. Usually there's a lot of uh, kids that get removed. It happens a lot in Africa and parts of Asia where they get removed from their parents. And so we work hard for reunification programs. We work through other partners and churches. The best place to do that is usually through the church. And a lot of these countries, it is the church that is running, as you know, the orphanages. So that's how we support. We work through our local partners always in the church when we arrive somewhere um, because we know at some point we'll leave. We're also in 20 different country offices around the world where we do active programming, um, whether that be um, humanitarian needs, but water, wash, 
um, providing clean drinking water. Um, there's a lot of different feeding programs and pipelines we're doing in Africa feeding South Sudan. We've been doing that for years. All that feeding and all that nutritional and all that medicine, um, it works through a lot of times local orphanages and our partners there that we want to come alongside of. And so, again, different from disaster relief, those are for long term commitments in those mm -hmm. country offices where that programming we're trying to make sustainable and something that we can hand off to a local church. Um, even the pipeline, if we're feeding, we're doing it through the churches or we're building churches along the pipeline. And so it's the church that's delivering the food, just like it is in Ukraine. So you, you brought up the church many times. I, I want your listeners to understand Samaritan's Purse is not the church. We're just a work glove of it. You know, we're just an extension of it. And someone can come along and we want to partner and strengthen those churches. Um, and everywhere you usually go see a church, you're going to find an orphanage and or you're going to find the kids that are displaced because of the natural disaster or the war. That's who we partner with. That's who we want to love. We tell our staff often as as we're trying to think about our role and, and how we come alongside the church that we want to be a bridesmaid to the bride of Christ. Mm -hmm. right? Like our job mm -hmm. is to be there and to attend and to help and to encourage and to you know, to bring all the things that are necessary, but ultimately that's the bride's day and it's, yeah. it's the bride's, you know, it's the, the bride's the focal point and the bride is the, yeah. you know, the, the one who deserves the glory. And, and, that's right. you know, ultimately when the church does those things, Jesus is the one that gets the glory. And, yeah. and so we're, you know, we're very much in alignment uh, around yeah. that. And I, I love the fact, and it's been really cool to hear, I mean, with the investment that we've had in, over the years in, in Ukraine personally, and, and as a ministry and the way, you know, even personally have been involved in training church planners in, in Ukraine for years and years and years. And, and so hearing guys that, that I've shepherded along the way that are now talking about staying and being invested in their community and, and being mm -hmm. able to meet tangible needs. And the reason they're doing that, the reason they're able to do that is, uh, is Samaritan's Purse. And so hear me as an advocate <laughs> to say, <laughs> we need each other. And, and I feel like a, you know, there's a lot of the work that we do that we're, we're sort of running a relay race and we're, we're kind of filling in different pieces and parts along the continuum. And one of the vital links is orphan prevention. And uh, we we love the the way that you're invested in making sure that children in, in many ways don't experience the pain of orphanhood because their families are able to be stabilized and they're able to stay together. And, and those things are, you know, those things are important. Well, well you bring I, I up wanna... God getting the glory real quick. Bob Pierce was our founder. My dad didn't, he wasn't the founder of Samaritan's Purse. He didn't come up with this great idea. Um, you know, he's not that original. Um, but Bob Pierce, many, many people have heard of World Vision. Well, he started mm -hmm. World Vision, but he left it, um, started Samaritan's Purse because he wanted to be built off the widow's might, not grants. Yeah. Um, he yeah. wanted us to have the trust of the widow um, to do to do ministry, but share the gospel. He also wanted to, he always said, uh, let your heart be pierced and broken by the things that pierce the heart of Jesus yeah. Christ. That means a certain tenderness. But the other thing he talked about is God room plan so big and so bold, it will surely fail unless God shows up. He gets all the glory and the credit. So Samaritan's person wants to live in God room. And, you know, when you get to be a larger organization, not that we're huge, but the easy tendency is to throw money at a problem. Like here, here's a grant. No, that's not what Bob started Samaritan's Purse for. He wants us to live in God room, to be scared. It's okay to be scared. You don't think, you know, Peter was scared to walk on water to get out of the boat. Uh, the rest of the disciples hid in the boat and he got out and walked. 
So we want to do that with ministry. That's why we want to find those partners um, that are unafraid and that are living in the fire. And you think of all those kids, all those orphans and orphanages in Ukraine right now. Um, and there's people there that are loving and serving that haven't left. They didn't leave when the war started. Mm-hmm. They stayed behind to care for these kids. That's how we want to come alongside and uh, and help and partner with. Uh, those are bold people living in God room. So to God be the glory. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I, I think you you can't be around this kind of work with orphan and vulnerable children and vulnerable families and and doing that in a way that that you're trying to keep the gospel at the forefront and 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 not it not shape your view of who God is. God shows himself in so many ways and uh and and teaches us so much. And and Chrissy, I'd love for you to just kind of talk a little bit about how your view of God and his unconditional love for us has been shaped by the kind of interaction that you've had with orphans and uh, the the opportunities that have been created in ministry for you. Well, I mean, it's both, you know, personally and professionally. I mean, I, I love talking with orphans or people that received a shoebox, you know, and now God has used in a mighty way. But even personally, as for with our adoption with Levi, um, you know, I was a Christian, accepted Christ at a young age, walked with God my whole life. But it wasn't until we adopted that I truly understood uh, my adoption and into Christ's family. You know, uh, I just love Romans 5, 8, you know, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And I just think of, you know, Levi did nothing, you know, he didn't apply, he didn't call us, he didn't reach out, you know, God laid him on our hearts and led us to him. Um, and we adopted him and he became a Graham uh, actually five years ago in March. So um, personally, God has shown me so much about his adoption into my, you know, my adoption into, into God's family. And so I love just daily. I think Levi shows me more and more of God's heart and God's grace, um, just the way that he redeems, he restores. Um, but another story of someone that received a shoebox, in fact, this year, Operation Christmas Child celebrated 200 millionth shoebox being given out, which wow. is huge, you know, in 30 years, 200 million. And these are gospel opportunities, you know, that have really had ripple effects in the communities. But the the box was handed to an orphan in Ukraine. And as Edward mentioned, you know, it's just heartbreaking that these kids just have had trauma upon trauma and now are stuck in a war-torn country. And to get a box and, you know, as she was handed it, uh, my friend Elizabeth said, for one minute, you know, the realities of the world mm-hmm. left and this little girl experienced love, hope. Uh, this the, Every box is so unique, you know, and God really tre- seems to direct each box to the right child. You know, she got a flashlight and she mm-hmm. said, I'm so thankful that now when I go into hiding in the basement in, during uh, air raids, I'll now have light. And so she just, this box was made for me, you know, and God just, and that's what he does. I mean, God is light and we know that, you know, light cannot be hidden in the darkness and that's why we share the gospel. Um, and so I know I'm not really answering your question, but <laughs> I think God has just showed me that, you know, we are to stay faithful uh, to the gospel. And, and one of our partners in the Middle East, you know, he said, you know, medicine, food, all these physical, they're great but they're going to need it again. You know, we will thirst again. And I think of the, the woman at the well, you know, we will all thirst again, but, but God is that eternal, you know, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And so that, that gospel presentation, the, the word and, and the, the church that will remain forever. And so we want to do things, all our projects. And, and so that's what God has showed me through, through orphan care, through vulnerable children, just how we are vulnerable. You know, we are, we are orphans that constantly need discipleship from a father. And, and so I think just that remembrance that 
I am an orphan, you know, and, and actually my son just recently said, you know, we're, we're his sibling, he asked if his siblings were adopted. And I at first said, no, you know that, you know, they were in my tummy, you know, and so we explained the whole, but Edward, you know, later said, yeah, they were adopted, you know, and so we talked about that spiritual adoption and I said, Levi, you were twice adopted, you know, you're twice redeemed, you're twice restored, you're twice loved and pursued. And, and so just, I think for all of us to daily walk in that, we need the gospel daily and we need to be reminded that, that we are adopted and, and we have a father that, that we need to continue to seek. So to not get lost in that. So I think, yeah, but um, all of our projects just teach me more about the gospel each and every day. And it's so exciting. Never gets old. It's that's why the Bible is alive and active, you know, constantly being sharpened. So it's exciting to be a part of. We don't we don't grow beyond the gospel. We just dive Mm -hmm. deeper into it. Right. And that's that's part of the, you know, the, the wonder of, you know, what it is that God's done. I think one one thing I'd love to to just kind of duck into for a minute is um, lots of folks that listen to our podcast or families that are that are on the journey toward adoption. They're praying about God's heart for their family in particular. Mm-hmm. And, and should we adopt? And one of the really neat things that I think is part of the, the tapestry of all this is that no two stories are alike about how mm-hmm. God moves us toward adoption. And so I, I'd love it if if you would both of you would just kind of talk a little bit about how God accomplished in your hearts, moving you toward the, you know, the adoption and bringing Levi to, you know, to be a grand. I think my heart and Christie's, cause we've talked about this. We were all felt called to adoption before I even met Christy. I remember mm-hmm. uh, for one, I did go to West Point. I did spend one year at Liberty university and I believe it was there listening one time in a convocation, um, hearing from someone that had been adopted and thinking about, you know, care for the orphans and the widows. And one day would I ever be called to adopt? And that's kind of when it started. But when Christy and I met and got married, we'd always talked and prayed about adoption. I was in the military. I was deployed a lot. Um, I barely saw, you know, my three children. I spent years overseas. Uh, I was in special operations. So, you know, I, those 16 years I was in, a majority of that was in fighting. And we just having our own kids and me barely getting to see them and trying to rekindle relationships when I come home, just never felt the time was right for adoption. And then I'd moved into my first time in my life, more of a staff position. I was an aide de camp to the commanding general of Army Special Operations. My grandmother, my mom's mom had passed away. She was my last remaining grandparent. And she left us this little money. And I remember sitting um, in the service and I really wasn't paying attention to the message. it actually wasn't a very good one. <laughs> and so I was kind of sitting there uh, daydreaming. My wife's not happy with me saying that, but I was <laughs> I was just kind of daydreaming. And I realized when my aunt had told me in the parking lot, she left us a little money. I was like, I looked at my wife and I just in the service, I was like, do you want life or do you want to save for kids college? And she smiled and said, I choose life. And so we got back from that funeral and she's she already had the paperwork like filled out. She just had to hit send, I think. And that started our adoption process. Um, but I think waiting on me just to realize there was no good time. Mm-hmm. There really, I mean, it's God's timing. And so yeah. God spoke to me and I, I drug my feet long enough. It was time to, to get into it. So that's mm-hmm. how it started for me. Mm-hmm. But it was prayer. It's been bathed in prayer. It wasn't just like an ad hoc, like, let's do this and jumped into it. We've been praying for it for years. 
Yeah. And for me too, it was my whole life. Like you said, we both, the Lord had put it on our hearts before we even met. And so that was early in our conversation. So it wasn't a matter of if we'd adopt, it was when, and like he said, timing was just hard because he wasn't home long enough to do a a home study. Uh, But I, I just prayed throughout. And I remember, you know, someone said, you guys have to be united in this. You know, if, if one's ready and the other's not, you know, don't start or pursue anything. So I started volunteering in pregnancy centers and just kind of and, and God had always in our moves placed us in a church that had huge adoption agents, you know, uh, ministries. And and I had friends that either were adopting or had adopted. So it was just a part of our life. And so God always had people with us to to yeah gain experience. And like he said, I already knew our agency and, and Lifeline. It, we actually where we moved, we had a, some friends that had adopted multiple times and used Lifeline. And so they had recommended. And so that's where I already knew the agency I wanted to use and or we wanted to use and I kind of knew what we needed to do because we had friends that had gone before us. Uh, but it was just a matter of timing. And, and as he said, the Lord really made it clear to both of us, you know, it was kind of not overnight, but it was okay now. It was um, overnight. And it, and it was exciting because a lot of people would say, oh, you're doing this because of, you know, our friends. And I said, no, you know, God had put this on our heart long ago, but it, it yeah. just now was the time. And so I just encourage people just to see, you know, we think of when the Israelites crossed the Jordan, you know, and they they grabbed the stones from each of the tribes and, you know, to make a memorial of what God had done. And I think over the years, I now can look back at memorial stones and and just people in our life. And, and as he said, people that helped us raised funds and, and, you know, really gave us what we needed to do it. God, well, I, will that's embarrassing. I mean, I had military friends. We don't get paid well in the military, but mm-hmm. I had friends in the military that were financially contributing to it. So I was kind of ashamed and I got an argument. It was mm-hmm. one of them. And he said, Edward, my wife and I feel called to this. You're, mm-hmm. you're, you know, this is what yeah. God's called me to do, not you. And so I was kind of ashamed, but God put the right people and right. friends um, that were, and it just wasn't, us. we had so many, my own family, my own brothers, Mm-hmm. You know, they gave up airline miles and all this kind of stuff to make sure we could go over there. My brother, Will, the whole time during the um, my brother, Will, works for the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. And he'll he'll run that probably one day. But he called every day mm-hmm. to check on Levi <laughs> and, and to call and FaceTime with him. And the first family member that Levi knew outside of Christy and I was Will. And mm-hmm. uh, so the whole family was all in and supportive. So I just encourage people, yeah, to to pray, first of all, you know, and the Lord, I love Proverbs 69, you know, in his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord directs his steps. And God, we are a true testimony because, yeah, in the military, we made enough to not qualify for grants and support through, you know, a lot of ministries and agencies. But, you know, it's still a lot. And so it's it's a leap of faith. But God supplied more than we could even ask or imagine. So I just encourage people to pray, but then see God, you know, in the little you know, and the big things, but throughout the, and, and you guys described it in our training, you know, that the paperwork and the waiting, you know, it's like the, the wilderness, you know, it is, right. it is hard. It is, you don't know how long it's going to be, you know, there's so much unknown and that's where you just rely on the Lord and, and you hunker down and you, and you look to him to provide that manna, that daily, because when you get to the promised land, you know, it's not over, you know, there's still conquering to be done. It's going to be hard. And that's what we found, you know, when you get your child, it's not easy either, you know, but God used what he did in the wilderness to prepare you, you know, and we're, we're still, I mean, raising children is difficult, you know, and we're finding that each age as they get older, we have a high schooler, you know, well, you're I, just on. I feel like I figured it out already, but. <laughs> no, we are daily like, God, I don't know what to do. And so it keeps you humble and dependent, but you know, that, that promised land mentality that we are still, you know, 
God has given us these kids to steward, you know, we're stewards. They're not ours, they're his. And so I think just encourage people to enjoy the process. You know, it's hard. Mm -hmm. And I I just grieve for, you know, families that have been matched in China and on hold, you know, with all this COVID, it it is just lengthened everything. And that's hard. Um, But to see God and and to look for him in the waiting is what I encourage people. I think one of the things we can see in the rearview mirror in our family is God's timing is always perfect. Mm-hmm. And, and we, you know, some of the immature things we did to try to hurry things along and some of the worrying we did along the way and that sort of thing, we were in the right place at the right time for mm-hmm. God to accomplish in, in our family, exactly what, you know, what he wanted to accomplish. And, I love the you use one of my favorite illustrations, you know, talking about the way that that the Lord shepherded um, Israel, you know, and over and over and over told them to build an altar. And, Mm -hmm. you know, like, why were they going around piling up rocks? Because because they needed to remember what God had done. They need to remember who God is. And the Lord knew that there were going to be days when as a people, they needed to walk by that pile of rocks and they needed to be assured Mm -hmm. of who he is. And I think we've. We've really started as a as a family, as a couple to encourage adoptive families to, you know, journal and write that stuff down and, and conserve it, because there are going to be days when you need to remember it. And there are going to mm-hmm. be days when when you need to invest that to your kids and and to help them know the wonder of that part of their story. Yeah, mm-hmm. adoption is beautiful, but it's ugly, too. It's hard. Um, <laughs> and I, t- I learned more about grace from Levi than I've ever taught him. I've had to ask Levi for forgiveness and things I've said to him or how I responded to him. And he always gave me love and grace. And, you know, Christy talked about he didn't he didn't know what a kiss was. So that first day I'm holding him, Christy actually wasn't feeling well the day we adopted and like actually received him the gotcha day, as people call it. And I'm sitting there holding him and patting him on the back on the city street (laughs) in China. And I just kissed him on his cheek and he looked at me like his head (laughs) snapped back and these big old white eyes. And he looked at me and it, like it clicked. It's like, oh, this is a kiss. I've heard of this. You know, and you could see it in his eyes. And then he goes to kiss me back with these big old wet lips and just yeah. slobbery kiss on my cheek. And I'm starting to laugh. I realized he'd never been kissed before. But I always had to remember that story when I was hurting or, you right. know, frustrated or Christy was tired and we were both tired. Like, yeah, he's such a sweet boy. And he's taught me so much more than I've ever taught him. But just a few months ago. A victory. Well, we've been praying for well, my kids have been wow. praying for why we adopted Chris. Uh, Christian, I've been praying for this whole time. He accepted Christ on his own. And, um, you know, that's to me what adoption that's, that's what adoption is all about. So he's that's he's the Lord's. Yeah. yeah, that's it. And that's why that's why we do what we do. And I just tell you, that's why we love the ministry of Samaritan's Purse and love you guys so much is is knowing that 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 common conviction that seeing people follow Jesus and, and Mm -hmm. seeing, you know, seeing the gospel take root in somebody's life is that is the ultimate fulfillment of the mission that we've been given. You know, we don't want to let this time go today without recognizing that this is, you know, world orphan week. And so this is a time when people around the world are stopping to, to focus on the needs of orphan vulnerable children around the world. And, and thinking about how they can lean in. And I think one of the one of the ways that I'd kind of like to close out is just by encouraging people on this 
World Orphan Week is they're thinking about leaning in to find ways to lean in with the gospel, mm-hmm. <laughs> to lean in with, with Jesus first. And I can tell you from experience, I can tell you from my own family and, and the things that we've known that Samaritan's Purse is a ministry that you can lean in with to make a difference in the lives of orphan and vulnerable children, not just today and not just here and now, but for eternity. And, and so on behalf of Lifeline, on behalf of our family, I just want to say thank you to you for what the Lord is using you to do and, and how God continues to be able to shape your ministry through your leadership and through your efforts. And so, Edward Christie, thank you so much. Well, Rick, we, we appreciate this opportunity, but thank you for your ministry. I mean, that's, I got my son. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Well, mm-hmm. we, um, we all have a role to play and God's, mm-hmm. God's given us all things to do. And, and when we do them and, and when we're faithful to, you know, to walk out that calling, whatever it is, um, it's absolutely a wonder to see the things that God accomplishes through, you know, through the body of Christ. And so, and, and folks, that's the message. That's, that's what we want to leave you with today. And everybody's role is not the same. Everybody's calling is not the same, but everyone's responsibility to be on mission and to be responsive to the call of Christ into our lives is. And, and so with something that you have or something that you know, or something, something that you've experienced along the way, God God wants a return on that investment. And one of the places where we're all called to, and I, I know I've said this a, a lot of times, but I'll say it again. You know, we we have no problem looking at the second half of James 127 and, and the part about personal holiness and knowing that that applies to everybody in the body of Christ. Well, the first half applies to all of us too. And, mm-hmm. and caring for widows and orphans and, and visiting and standing in the gap is part of that. And, and there are three people that are that are part of this podcast right now that are that are in agreement about that. And, and, and we would just call you out to say, take a step, take take something that that God has given you and find a way for for the purposes of the gospel to invest that into the lives of, of orphan and vulnerable children. Edward and Christy Graham, we thank you so much for the ways that you're doing that. Thank you for journeying with us. And and we just are excited to see what the Lord does in coming days and pray that the Lord will bless your ministry. Thank you. We appreciate this. Thank you. It's always joy to talk to you. It's great to talk to you. And it's we will see you again here next week on the Defender podcast. You can join us right here, all the ways that you find your podcast. And we'll meet you right back here again next week. And so thank you again for joining us on the Defender Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Podcast to make it easier for more people to find. For more information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, visit us at lifelinechild.org. If you want to connect with me, please visit herbienewell.com. Follow us at Lifeline on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast.